This is Season 3 of Flute Unscripted. Hi, I'm Katie Massad, and I sit down with a new artist every week and share their uncensored stories with you. This podcast is brought to you by Flute Center of New York, the marketplace for flutes. Join us, subscribe, rate and review us, and please stay tuned to the end of this episode for a special Flute Center of New York discount code for our podcast listeners. There are a lot of things that make Flutronic special. Allison Loggins Hall and Natalie Joachim are a flute duo changing the perception of what the flute can do and how it can sound through new compositions, exploration of genres, and use of electronic music. Together, Flutronics has released four albums, had collaborations and broadcasts around the world, and recently kicked off their two-year residency at Carolina Performing Arts. Even separately, their solo projects are consistent with their overarching goals together. Natalie is the new flutist with Eighth Blackbird and working on Women of Haiti, a celebration of underrecognized female artists. Allison has most recently been brought on as faculty at Montclair and is involved in the Diametrically Composed project, featuring stories of artists that are also mothers. These two flutists also happen to be great friends and it was such a treat to get to see them interact together. Thank you, Natalie and Allison, for coming in today. It was a real pleasure to have you both, your flutronics. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're even speaking in tandem. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's happened. That's what yeah. happens <laughs> almost 10 years later. Yeah, you've been together for a while. Yeah. Um, but you both uh, independently have accomplished quite a lot. You're both very successful on your own. Um, you have your own projects. Natalie, you're an eighth blackbird and you're a composer interested in interdisciplinary arts. And Allison, your compositions have been commissioned for the Texas Flute Society. And you're also a composer, and you're at um, faculty at Montclair recently. Congrats on that. Thanks, thank you. Um, where did the idea for Flutronics come from? I know you two met kind of through mutual friends, and you bonded quickly. But where was the idea for the group? Mm-hmm. Well, 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 we really met on the internet. Yeah, we met yeah. on the internet, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, there was no idea for the group. The group just happened. Just, yeah. We had never met. Uh, we met on the internet. and then <laughs> The first on- online date. Yeah. That was like, oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> so we did. And so I went and, you know, kind of the first day we met, Allison invited me over to her house. And... I just like went over there and we sat and talked for hours. I mean, I don't even know. In, in reality, I yeah. don't even know. It was probably like it was really actually many hours that we just sat. And, and we talked about all kinds of things. Like, it wasn't even yeah. really about flute. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just like getting to know each other, and we just found that we were very like minded, and we had some similar kind of experiences in this musical journey. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. at that point, thus far. So we were just vibing out. Yeah. yeah. And we sort of, you know, it was just like. In a way, we met each other at the exact right moment in our lives, and we're both already kind of working in this way, and so just decided to continue that work together. Is it hard to do things together because you are, you know, living in different places and have very very busy schedules, so is it hard to meet up and and make the time? Do you guys have a deal with each other? Like, we're going to do this many projects within this amount of time or per year. Mm -hmm. Is there a deal Um, you have with each other like that? Well, I don't, it was like, it's, it was an interesting adjustment when I, when I moved to Chicago, 
I do think actually it has resulted, I mean, it definitely has resulted in us working in a different way, but I feel like actually in a much more productive way. Mm -hmm. Um, We meet administratively several times a week just to go through like kind of slogging through the the business stuff between our publishing and just like following up on projects and artistic planning, et cetera. Yeah. Emails. And emails. Emails. Wow. Um, So... Just kind of, that happens very regularly. I think, you know, not that dissimilar to, you know, I mean, 8th Blackbird, we're all in the same city, and that happened. We're probably actually, if maybe Foodtronics meets even more than <laughs> yeah. does about administrative stuff. Um, but I think that um, now we've actually, like, in, cer- in terms of projects, like, when we first started, we were just... Our first album was like we have no music to play, so we have to write <laughs> yeah. music to play. You're busy writing, yeah. Right, and so it was like that was really just about like developing a repertoire where there was none before. Mm-hmm. Um, the second album, you saw us really starting to think a little bit more artfully about what we were doing, and now that it's not really about sort of like pumping out um, shows and like just tracks, we can like think a little bit more <clears throat> artfully. So we started working more on like a retreat basis um, for our artistic work. So. Like, if we have um, a, a show coming up or a series of shows coming up, then we just set up actually what we call sort of like rehearsal retreat time where it's like, I'll be in New York and all we're doing, we're not working on administrative stuff, we're not writing music, we're not talking about anything else. We just like lock ourselves away mm-hmm. for four or five days and in a really con- concentrating and focused way. Wow, that's great. Just like rehearse what we know that we have coming up and we do the same thing for composing now too mm-hmm. um, and that has really allowed us like when we see a piece like right now we're working on a piece that's going to premiere in 2020 so we were really able to work back a couple years and you know we had our first writing retreat in July of this of 2018 and so um, and we I think have yeah, one next month. Yes, maybe four coming, four, four yeah. or five more coming up, and so both between now and when the show will premiere. Mm-hmm. So it just makes us be a lot more organized. We have to do a lot more longer term planning, but right. um, I kind of find what's really great about that is that like before we were like, okay, we got to have rehearsal, but we have to have a meeting and. Um, now we got to talk about this and like yeah we got this show. yeah we got yeah it was just <laughs> like, like too many things happening yeah. like yeah. there was a lot of multitasking happening mm-hmm. and I think now um, we probably like I don't know I don't know what you would say the ratio is to like how much we meet now versus how much we, I mean like before we used to meet when we were both in New York we met on a daily basis basically yeah. so I mean we were basically neighbors you live next to each other right <laughs> yeah. yeah we live five blocks <laughs> yeah right so you don't have to worry about that that subway commute <laughs> yeah. or anything so yeah it's very easy so do now that. we don't we, we don't see each other every day anymore but when we do see each other you really maximize on your time focused. Right. yeah and that that's helpful yeah and purposeful too right yeah. and that type of planning has to be I mean you have to be pretty regimented and yeah. very organized um you both seem to be similar in that way you both are you know similar in your innovative thinking and you know really um being kind of entrepreneurs in your own um I think it's fascinating that you both are that way and you both come from such very different backgrounds in music mm-hmm. Allison you were you said you're self-taught basically until you were 15 until I was 15 yeah and until then like yeah. In my, yeah in my early years yeah um, not to say I mean I had band in school so I definitely mm-hmm. had that type of encouragement and mentorship, but I didn't um, have flute instruction for real until about 15 years yeah. old. Yeah. Well, I, I can relate to that too, because I feel like I kind of started a little bit later like that, being serious at least. Right. Um, yeah. And it's it's different when you're just doing it kind of for fun or teaching yourself mm-hmm. versus you're deciding it's going to be a career path, because right. you feel like you might have missed out where some people 
might have started very seriously oh, yeah. or competitively oh, early. Oh, I had years of catching up to yeah. you. Yeah, Like, you know, for real. Um, so in a lot of ways, it was, you know, a little kind of like, oh, gosh, am I going to even be able to do this? Am I crazy? Yeah. But, um, but it was very motivating, too, because once I, once I decided to, okay, once I realized, you know, I really love doing this and I really want to do it well, so I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I need some help. Um, <clears throat> I put myself in a situation where I was surrounded by other people like that yeah. and it was very inspiring because a it, it showed me like how much work I had to do but like what was possible and and all of that so mm-hmm. you know it was a little a little scary but it worked out I guess yeah <laughs> I like, you know? did yeah here yeah. we are now was, yeah there's a lot yeah. of catching up I had to do for, sure. for years I feel like it's like a flute personality though. Yeah, because, right. Um, We're all kind of that maybe type A is oh, what people oh, say. Yes. Yeah. Jennifer yeah. Higgins. Don't you feel so that way? I don't <laughs> know if people know this, but Jennifer Higgins was originally a flutist and mm-hmm. obviously she has a humongous career as a composer now, but she didn't start playing. I don't I think I think she told me she didn't start playing until she was like seventeen or eighteen. She like had had no private lessons, yeah. had had no composition lessons, had done nothing, and basically every single teacher was like, You're gonna be like, there's no way you could catch up to yeah, you're going to be right. a failure. And she was like, actually, I'm going to be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I know, but it is, it is, I feel like it's a funny thing to find, like, the more flutist you find, yeah. or you look behind an organization, you're like, gosh, this is a really, like, awesome arts organization. Who's running this? Or right, like, right. It's usually flute, it's usually flute players. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. What is that about? I don't know. It's well, like the chicken or the egg. Is it like the flute made us this way? Or are we, or are we just this way naturally? We'll never figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) But conversely, Natalie, you started at Juilliard when you were 10. Mm -hmm. So you kind of grew up there. Um, What's the joke that you were born in the lobby? That's like, yeah. (laughs) That's like, I was just there yesterday and I was like, here we go again. Oh my goodness. Memories. (laughs) And they love her too. They keep drawing her back because, you know, she's done so much. Yeah. Please inspire us to do all the time. She's like, please let me go. Well, I think it's kind of. I think it's kind of cool, though, that you can you um, both have these different experiences. But like you said, in the end, we're all here together anyway. So do you think it is more of your personality and, and who you surround yourself with more than the, maybe the conservatory you go to or even your teacher? It's like, look, Ooh, I mean, I think question. to me, I value my education from Juilliard so much. I know that I got a, I've had a big head start. You know what I mean? Like I'd already played my first concerto at Lincoln Center by the time I was 11. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the training is great. It's wonderful. But I was also telling somebody yesterday, it's like, you know, you're at Juilliard and you're like, I got a Juilliard. I'm so fancy. And then <laughs> you leave, you graduate and you realize that like, you're like, I'm also now like in my early twenties living in New York. Yeah. Broke like everybody else. Right. Like, and it just, it's honestly the people who we see who are really successful. It's like, it's not about actually being the best player. They're like, there are very few of us for whom like our career happened simply because we were the best player. It's exactly. also that you were a great person to work with and that mm-hmm. you had the drive to get it done and that you mm-hmm. committed to something. And I think that... And you get things done. Yeah, and that you yeah, actually are accomplishing yeah. anything. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, you, you can find... I know plenty of people who are extremely talented, who, like, you know, their talent is really unmatched, but if they don't have the drive and they're not organized and they're a terrible person to work with, like... 
I, I know people who are much less talented who are much more successful than yeah. them. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, I, it's, it's like, of course, get, get the best training yeah, you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and certainly, I mean, it's like, you know, Carol Winsense was my teacher. She's still a mentor of mine. We're, we still talk. I still get, you know, like mm-hmm. professional guidance from her. And I value that. I really do. But I think that, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't have the drive to get something done, it doesn't matter how great you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I lucked out also in terms of just the, the teachers I ended up working with. I mean, um, when I my first real serious teacher was Mary Bartow when I was like 16, actually. So it was my second year of lessons. And she still teaches um, at Manus Pre-College. I actually, I yeah, that's where I met yeah. her and I studied with her oh, okay, for a little. Great. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, so I had and her, her for qu- And her flute choir, I think is what she was coaching at the ah, time. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think she still does that too. Yeah. And she's just a real, like, you know, trainer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she's exactly what I needed. And in retrospect, I don't think I realized that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she's exactly what I needed. She, like, you know, was like, okay, we're correcting all of these problems, you know, and she really, like, got me into gear. And then I moved on, and I studied with her, Helen O'Connor, who completely, like, changed me as – well, had me thinking more as, like, an artist mm-hmm. rather just, like, a flute player, right. right? So studying with her was, like, amazing as well. So I lucked out in that way because I think it is it is important who you work with also mm-hmm. um, in terms of, like, making sure it's a good match, someone who is actually giving you what you need, you know, and uh, trying to understand who you are mm-hmm. as a player, um, trying to help you find, find your sound. So... Um, I, I don't want to take for granted, like, the value of the teachers that right. I, I did eventually have. Because, I mean, they had, like, a profound impact on me. And they still do. I still yeah. call them to this day, like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, you know, like, they come <laughs> to our shows. I just did yeah. a show oh, in September. Yeah. And my, my teacher from the music advancement program at Juilliard came. And, I mean, yeah. it's like, she was my flute teacher when I was 10. Yeah. We were just emailing recently also with my high school band director. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, right. So. so, you know, it's amazing the impact that these music teachers can have on mm-hmm. us and, and carol's still a big mentor for flutronics she's been on team flutronics she's fantastic one. yeah she's you know so yeah definitely value those mm-hmm. those mentors for sure and now natalie and allison want to pay it forward and inspire the next generation of young musicians by continuing to push the boundaries of what is expected from the flute their works are often politically charged and flutronics has performed at the anti-inaugural ball of the demena center Planned Parenthood, and raised funds for ACLU. There is a unifying theme in all they do to relate to their audience, and they have an open dialogue about the important role it can play in everyday life. Your group um, definitely highlights flute in a different way as well, um, some new genres and some new sounds and styles. What do you think the flute offers to different genres of music? Because it isn't heard quite often. You don't put on the radio and hear flute in hip-hop usually or in rock or anything like that. What do you think are the the benefits of having flute in this kind of repertoire? It's a fu- it's a funny thing because you know what? I'm always like, you know, the strings in Nebraska and all the They do. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever like, well, no. I see Beyoncé on tour, you're like, "Great, good job. Right. You have 14 strings on stage. Good for you." And right? it's lucky lucky for the people they get to go on tour <laughs> with her. That's a great gig. Like, where are the flute gigs right, like that? Exactly. Yeah. But it's also, you know, like it's also the hip hop producers or the like rock and roll players who are like, you know what, let's use that flute sample. That was so right, amazing. Right. I'm like, right. Yeah. Nobody wants to take us on tour. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it's a really versatile instrument. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I really feel that genuinely that we had, like, I just did a composer reading last night um, with uh, New York Youth Symphony. New York Youth Symphony. And, um... It was it was interesting to see you know it's like they're young composers so they're sort of like I heard the flute can do this and I heard the flute can do that but it was great also to be for me to be able to be like maybe the sound you're looking for is actually this and like open them up to like a completely different sound that mm-hmm. we that we're able to create and so I think it's super flexible it's you know a good it's a solid melodic instrument that mm-hmm. you know lends itself to many different timbres um and styles also it, it fits in a, and it's also just like look at the world of instruments right you look at e- almost every culture has a flute has a version yeah. of right a flute. exactly yeah. yeah and so it's sort of like there's a there's a reason for that i yeah. think mm-hmm. so yeah absolutely and it's a very vocal instrument mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. i think it's just um I, you know i think we're making some progress in that way but i think uh, we have to work towards um kind of fighting the stereotype that comes with playing the flute yes because i think i've met a lot of people a lot of people who don't know much about music and when they think of the flute they think like shrill or yeah. you know i i recently a few years ago i had a friend um a new friend that came to one of our shows and that was one of the comments that he made he was like i really liked it it wasn't shrill or anything <laughs> like you know what i mean <laughs> Right, and you also don't do, I mean, you do some acoustic stuff, but you play a lot with electronics. What are the realities of combining electronic style with the flute Mm -hmm. and playing electronically? Yeah. It's like, you got to think of it as like a really bad ensemble member, essentially. It's because like, you know, we don't follow us. Yeah. You know, they're in their own world. (laughs) Not listening. If you make a mistake, they don't go with you. (laughs) You're on your own. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's, like, in terms of working with fixed media or even, like, live processed media, yeah. it's, uh, it's a challenge. There's a lot of coordination involved um, and also takes a lot of nuance. I think I think we're still really even just, like, developing our palette in terms of how we incorporate it. I think that, like, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I come from, like, a very heavy, like, love deep, deep love for drum and bass music as a kid. Like, I just, like, lived for different styles of electronic music. Um, And I think when I first started writing, that was, like, my go-to was, like, I want it to sound like that with flutes. Like, (laughs) this is what I always wanted it to be. Um, And I think now, I've like, these past couple projects that I've been working on and our our newest project that we're working on um, is really about sort of, like, actually taking a step back from the electronics, looking at them and seeing like, okay, like 
if we're thinking structurally in a totally different way, like how can how can we make this be a better ensemble member? Pretty right. Much? Like how can use we, it to your advantage? Exactly. Yeah. So um, and doing a lot more live work in that way too, which I think is like has been you know we actually just performed the first little excerpt of um, our newest piece called Discourse, and that's like. It was. I thought it was really fun to to see that at the end of the program, just sort of the trajectory of like where we sort of started. Mm-hmm. Here are some of our earlier music, and like this is where we're at now. And you hear a real evolution in that, too. right? Yeah, and well, it's elevated the experience of the show as yeah. well. Yeah, 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 which is nice. Um, <clears throat> you were talking about discourse. That's through Carolina Performing mm-hmm. Arts. Um, that's a a residency that you have with them for two years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's an exciting project. It's it amazing. It's like. Both terrifying and yeah. also like extremely exciting. Yeah. Um, so Carolina Performing Arts is the presenting entity at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, um, and we got a call from them. I guess last year. Yeah, maybe about a year ago. And um, you know, it was I was sort of like, is this somebody? Is this email real? Because <laughs> 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 they're, they're a pretty big deal yeah. presenting organization. So uh, we had a call with. Amy Collins Russell, who is uh, sort of one of the folks in charge down there, and she said, you know, I thought I think you guys are great. I think you're doing really interesting work. I wonder if you would want to do something down here. Um, and we had really, you know, like as I said, we've been working on this like sort of longer term artistic planning, mm-hmm. so we had really committed um, to doing this uh, project. The the project itself is our first, you know, site specific work community engagement Mm -hmm. uh, oriented piece Uh, it's really the first time that we're like involving so many other voices Mm -hmm. into our process it's Mm -hmm. it's certainly the first time that we've worked this way compositionally together Um, and so we didn't really we had just we had been (coughs) thinking about this project in different iterations for years at that point Um, and so I was like, she's never going to go for this, but I'm going to say it because this is our, this is who we are. That's your thing, yeah. We could say we could come and play all the old stuff and maybe we will, but you know, this is what we're doing. And so, uh, we told her about this idea that we had for, uh, creating an evening length work, um, that was really about engaging communities in conversation with one another and in a way using art as a means for sort of processing the times that we're living in right Mm -hmm. now. Um, uh, and will this yeah. all this research and engagement with the community influence the work and shape it as well? Is this like a oh, yeah. live composition sort of process that will take place over the years and then come into fulfillment at the end? Right. So okay. what we're doing essentially is um, engaging in the process and then recording a lot of these conversations, mm. testimonies of people's personal experiences as American citizens. Yeah. As um, immigrants, as you know, like people just live existing in America, really. Um, And we'll so we'll be taking sort of highlighting these individual narratives and taking that text and bringing it bringing it into the work. So for us as composers, it's really a process of setting text in as many interesting Mm -hmm. ways as we can figure out or think of doing that. Um, but essentially using using a musical framework to highlight individual narratives. So at the end of the show, I mean, we, the, pe- the excerpt that we've already created actually um, accesses um, an interview that we sourced from the Southern Oral History Program, 
Um, and so it's just really us. That was really a, a practice in sort of like sampling this this man's words mm-hmm. and then also setting his text to song with the flutes and also electronics live drums. Um, and so um, that was that's that. But I think some of it will also be like for each city that we do this in, like Chapel Hill is the first city that we're doing it in. We're also mm-hmm. now talking about expanding to several other cities to like, okay. sort of replicate the process. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll also hear stories like, direct from the community itself Um, and so there'll be an evening length performance and also in Chapel Hill we're talking about doing a sound installation that will be sort of like uh, a a sort of what do you call it partner piece yeah (laughs) (laughs) to the to the live show itself so that people in the community can come and hear these narratives and potentially engage with video and photos to to really get a sense of their community Mm -hmm. Um, and it is about community it's sort of about tying us all together and we found that it was so much easier to do that through individual narratives than by like talking about a group of people or like it's sure. so much harder right. to sure. contextualize. But once you meet someone personally, yeah. hearing their story means yeah, it seems the most that's influential. That's like yeah, why you're right. doing podcasts. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> talking, hearing yeah. from people about their their lives is mm-hmm. actually like really interesting and makes you see them in a totally different way. Um, so. I actually read that that was the only way to really change someone's mind mm-hmm. um, when you're having an argument or or a discussion and you really clash. The you can't just keep saying the same um, you know statement pieces over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's a personal story or some way of right. showing how it actually directly affects you in a personal way, mm-hmm. or you know, or vice versa for the other person. And then when you actually you know s- see the human experience behind what they're talking about then you can really and then you're more apt to maybe change your mind maybe not but it's like the only way right you know right, shown right. through research that you can actually start to see from each other's point of view exactly yeah. so yeah. i did i mean i think and that's the thing it's like at the end of the day maybe you're gonna change minds but i do think it, even if you don't at the very least like i know that i've already engaged with some of these st- stories and narratives in a way that i'm like i don't agree with a lot of what has been said but I actually now can understand how you can feel that yeah, way. Right. And that makes me, like, you just ultimately have, like, a little bit more respect for people when it exactly. comes to that, when you can sort of piece together the how of why, even if you don't, it's not, you know, you don't agree or it's not yeah. for you, but you but you see it and you can understand mm-hmm. why they feel that way. Um, you both have been on faculty at the Juilliard Advancement Program, um, which brings mentoring and, and serious education, music education, to um, children in New York City's five boroughs with diverse backgrounds underrepresented in classical music. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you guys get involved in that program? And what about working with those young people kind of gave you hope for the future of music? Mm. Um, well, I was a student in the music advancement program, oh, cool. which was like awesome. I, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't I could not say that I would be here today without that program having existed. Um, and so it was a no-brainer for me when you know when they called me about potentially teaching privately in the program. Of course, I would I would go back because, honestly, I could have been a kid that nobody ever noticed. You know what I mean? I could have been somebody who like played the flute a little bit and no one really ever took me under their wing or gave me an opportunity. Um, and it's so funny when you think about that. Like like people are always like, oh, you know, when did you how did you start playing flute? And I really started playing kind of randomly. My parent, nobody in my family is a musician, although music is like a big part of our family. Like no one is a professional musician. Mm-hmm. My parents had no idea. They immigrated here from Haiti. Like nobody is playing flute. In the yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, they were sort of just like, and so here you had, like for me, it was 
Um, actually, the orchestra teacher at my elementary school who said, you know, Juilliard has this program. Um, she should audition for it. My parents were like, oh, okay, sure. And I was like, what's an audition? I yeah. Know you know, like I had no idea. And so, and again, like we've talked about, the, the private teacher I had in that program is somebody with whom I have a relationship with to this day. And I value these educators so much because I there's 100% no way that I would be sitting here talking to you today had they not identified um, something special and important in me and had they not made me feel like I could be somebody yeah. special and important. And so, of course, like, it means so much to me to go back and do that because you just don't know, like, what if, you know, we're not out there, if we're not out there looking for these kids. <laughs> Advocating for right, someone right, else. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, get lost. Who, who could, who, what would I be doing with my life? Yeah. Even? I have no idea. Like, I would have been maybe not even in music at all. Who right. knows? But, like... Um, so that to me is like really important. And also, again, this idea of sort of like having somebody see you, you know, like kids, I think, especially sort of get overlooked, like you got to just do what the adults say, and you sort of do whatever. And I think when you work with somebody in a private lesson situation at that age, you get it's like it's funny because you gain like these huge relationships with them you get to know them because you're really spending maybe more personal time with them than almost anybody else yeah. you know what i mean and yeah. so um the idea that you could have that kind of impact in somebody's life and just for like an hour a week or 30 minutes a week mm -hmm. to just say to that person like i see you and you know like yes we're here working on, on music but you're a wonderful person so we're just like we're also here to just like celebrate you and try to make you be the best version of you that we can that we can be hmm. that you can be and so um i take a lot of i really do take a lot of pride in that and so i, I loved i loved and i do miss um teaching in the music advancement program because Allison will tell you that I, you know, it's like almost weekly where I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to like get this thing together for this student and try to do this for this student and I want to really be able to help them in this way and mm -hmm. like, you know, you, your heart goes into you it. You get really invested. Yeah, yeah. They're real people. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah. like their futures might actually depend on you being the person to sort of stand up for them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I absolutely love my students at math. I still, um, I, I'm not there any longer. Um, last year was my last year, but I'm still in close contact with several of them. Um, I will say that one of the my favorite things about that community is is just that first and foremost. Like there is a a a, a safe feeling in that community amongst the students and the faculty and the family, um, which I thought was really special. Mm. And I had a really, uh, really talented group of students, really hardworking, and some of them had, in terms of um, like resources, you know, a, a harder time than others. And we all know like this journey of studying music at yeah. this level is very costly. Yes. You know, the lessons, the instruments, mm. and just the, the dedication that the parents have to put in, you know, the time commitment. Mm -hmm. It's really a lot and, and can be very challenging for lots of people. <clears throat> so it's really a privilege, you know, that we have these opportunities, yeah. right? Um, so being able to, to help them kind of navigate through those things, for example, and the fact, and there were some resources provided, like through Ju Juilliard that made a lot of things possible, um, like financially, for example, that other, otherwise wouldn't have been. 
And for me, that was like the greatest thing about working there, like working together, trying to figure out, okay, so-and-so got into, you know, interlocking. How can we like raise the money to like get them, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Or so-and-so needs a new instrument. Like how can we like, you know, how can we partner up and figure it out? So I really appreciated that um, effort that I found. And I think everybody that I worked with there was really very much on the same page in terms of um, advocating for the students, you know, and really trying to to make it happen for them because they put the work in, mm-hmm. you know, they really um, want to be there and they're really dedicated, you know, so it's like, okay, we have to figure this yeah. out. So for me, that was the most rewarding thing about the program other than just the students themselves. Like I really, I miss them tremendously mm-hmm. and really, you know, they're like a fun, the food students. I brought them here once. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're like a, a fun, a real fun, bright, yeah. you know, talented group Enthusiastic, of Enthusiastic, for sure. Enthusiastic, yeah. you know what I mean? Some of them, it was like a whole new world to them, yeah. you know, like coming into that building. Some of them didn't even know what Juilliard was, you know. Mm-hmm. I definitely knew. didn't when I went. Right. Yeah. Like, my mom's like, you're going to take an audition. I'm like, what's that? She's like, it's just, you're just going to go in the room and play. And I'm like, where is it? She's like, Juilliard. I'm like, what's that? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's good. Sometimes uh, not knowing is, is better, right? right? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. and I thought that too because I definitely had um, one student in particular who just, had no idea what any of this meant. She mm-hmm. just knew, like, her band teacher recommended it. She just knew that she loved playing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it was an opportunity to, like, play. Yeah. Keep and that, right? Keep yeah. that forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And it's so funny because, like, to this to this day, like, she would perform, no nerves, no yeah. nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Just, like, the confidence would just, like, come alive, mm-hmm. you know, when she would perform, that yeah. kind of thing. You know what I mean? Which is just really, I don't know, I just thought that was just really um, a special kind of thing mm-hmm. about about her and some of the other kids too same thing I think also I mean it's so like that program <clears throat> started actually the now former president of Ju- Juilliard Joe Calisi who I also have you know a great I, <laughs> I really like value him as a person that I've got to be in contact with mm-hmm. in my life um, started that program at a time where a lot of music programs were being cut from public schools mm. um, and that's painful. I mean, it, it's wonderful that Juilliard had that response, and it's wonderful that that program is still thriving and that it came out of that, and that that one of our most important musical institutions chose to take it upon themselves to respond in that way. Because right. I do think, at the end of the day, it's just, it's not, it's, it's so not about any of those kids becoming a professional. Like, great that right. that happened for me great that it may have that it has happened for others and will continue to but I think it's more about like the arts is a really amazing way to teach discipline and teamwork and commitment Mm -hmm. and I think that giving people especially people who come from potentially really challenging life home situations or life situations um, giving them the opportunity to have an outlet for that is like it's so important. Yeah, it and really, I think really people is. forget music can can make um, great human beings. Yeah, so it's not just mm-hmm. right what you just said. It's mm-hmm. not about being musicians, and that's not why you should continue to study music or or be involved. Right. It's just to make you a better person. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I guess we both missed the program. We're still friends of math, they call it. We are. <laughs> friends of math, you know. So, you know, we'll, we'll always be friends and family. Of yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, have a, have a special connection there. Well, that's yeah. a very inspirational note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for coming in. It's really, really uh, nice getting to know both of you and chatting. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, thanks for having, having us. us.
stay up to date on all the projects and outreach programs that Flutronics is involved in and listen to all their music by going to their website, flutronics.com. Thank you to Flutronics. Music for this episode is from their albums and includes She Is, They Ain't You, and Lifelines. This has been an episode of Flute Unscripted. This podcast is sponsored by Flute Center New York. Visit their website at flutesforsale.com for the largest selection of new and pre-owned instruments. Use this season's promo code LISTEN for a special deal of $50 off any purchase of $4.99 or more. You can follow the Flute Center on Instagram and like them on Facebook to stay up to date on the latest events and masterclasses. Special thanks to our owner Phil Unger, the Flute Center team, and Stefan Huskoldsen for our theme music.